Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Thank you, Lord. By your power, your son was raised. Not just resuscitated, resurrected, transformed, so that even now he sits on your right hand. And even now, O oh Lord, you pour out your will upon the earth until the day comes when, when all of us are redeemed and join you together in your kingdom. Lord, toward that end, we labor, and into that end, we hope. And we hold each other in love and grasp together the truth that you are alive. Pray in Jesus' name, even now, as we go to your word. Amen. Our text this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark which is perhaps the most abbreviated of the, of the resurrection stories. The reality is, it was a little bit embarrassing for the early church, and so there was a bunch of different additions given to this passage. Because in reality, the most ancient of the Gospels ends with this statement about the women going to the tomb, and it says that they were afraid, and that's where the Gospel ends. The oldest text of the Gospel, the oldest written record, is 1 Corinthians 15. That was written only about 30 years after, where the Gospel of Mark was maybe 40 to 50 years later. But we read to you now from that Gospel and the power of the resurrection of our Lord. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white, in a white robe, sitting on the right-hand side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. And so the story of the resurrection 
almost embarrassingly in the Gospel of Mark. Doesn't conclude with, with angels descending and angel choirs. It concludes with women, a gathering of women who are simply afraid. And if we think about it, how appropriate. They're afraid. They don't know what's happened. They have no idea what has occurred. This was not anticipated. There was no way they could have looked forward to their going to the tomb and expected anything but the body of Jesus. And when the body of Jesus was not there, they didn't know what to think. Because there was no expectation of what had actually occurred. And interestingly, all the disciples, all the men, were hiding. They were all sequestered off. They were afraid that they were next. And the reality is that in that period of time in the first century, there were 10 or 12 messiahs. And every one of them dies in kind of a violent death. And those followers simply had a choice, and that was either go back to their life or find some other Messiah to follow around. That's probably what the disciples were thinking about, and that was simply going back to their life. Go back up north to the Sea of Galilee and start fishing again. Acknowledging that they had followed a, a person who ended up being a, an absolute, complete failure. So they gave up. They quit. They they simply hid to save their skins, and for all intents and purposes, they recognized that, that they were done, and it was all over. So they, they quit. Admiral William Craven, in his little book, Make Your Bed, makes a very definite statement about quitting. He said there were 150 young men who were training to be SEALs, 150, and the, the lead officer said, all you have to do, because I'm here to hurt you, to give you pain, to make your lives miserable, all you have to do to bring this to an end is come up here, and he took a, a clanger and rang a bell. All you have to do is ring this bell three times, and you're done. Of all of those 150, only 33 survived the SEAL training because they would not be able to take it. They decided they themselves were going to quit. When I shared that little book with my grandson, Owen, whose birthday is on Wednesday of this week, he turns 10. So proud of that little boy. But after I shared that book with him, he came out and sat with me at breakfast and he said, Grandpa, I'll never ring the bell. Of course, I don't even kiss it. I'll never ring the bell. I'll never quit. But McCraven has this to say about ringing the bell. Life is full of difficult times, but someone out there always has it worse than you do. If you fill your days with pity, sorrowful for the ways you have been treated, bemoaning your lot in life, blaming your circumstances on someone or something else, then life will be long and hard. If, on the other hand, you refuse to give up, stand tall and strong against the odds, 
then life will be what you make it. And you can make it great. Never, ever ring the bell. Never, ever give up. You can change your life for the better and maybe the world. Well, what got into the disciples that they would change and come back? Why did they not quit? What was it about the disciples that, that brought them back? Well, the stories of the resurrection, if you look at all four Gospels, they're all over the place. They do not reconcile. They don't harmonize. And the lack of harmony of the Gospel records of the resurrection actually testify to the veracity of those accounts. Let's face it. The story was that the disciples came and stole the body and then they made all this up. They made this stuff up about a resurrection and, uh, and if that were the case, then there would have to have been this grand conspiracy to make this somehow, this faith stay alive. For what reason, who knows, other than their unwillingness to admit that they were wrong. But the fact is, because the stories do not harmonize, well, that's evidence that they weren't trying to put together some kind of conspiracy. That's evidence that, that they were, in fact, expressing that which was actually real in their memory and in their experience. Fear. It, it takes our breath away. It takes our words away. I thought about fear. The fear of the women. The fear of the disciples. I thought about the fear. I thought, now, when have I been afraid? Ordinarily, it takes quite a bit for any of us to really feel fear. But I do remember a dream I had. I woke up in the middle of the morning, and I thought I saw a man in the room. And I was so terrified that it did. It took my breath away. And I said, why are you here? What are you doing here? So powerful and so real. Real fear. Real fear can grasp us, take a hold of us, take us by the neck, and, and paralyze us. And the original experience of the disciples was fear. And of course, they're not going to get all the stories straight. They're not going to see it in the same way. They're going to view things differently. Every single one of them is going to view things from their own perspective in a different way. And this act of resurrection was nothing ever expected. And it was only after that the church went back into the scriptures and found how the resurrection was woven within the scriptures of the Old Testament. But up until that point, they were hiding, scattered like rabbits. They were afraid, as the women were. So the, the text of Mark that says that they were fearful captures something very authentic about the story of the resurrection. But so what happened? How did they break out of their fear? 
Jesus was alive. Not a resuscitated corpse. Jesus was not like Lazarus who came forth from the grave and was resuscitated and then died again. Resuscitations happen every single day in every city of the world. People were brought back. It was not a resuscitation. It was a transformation of the body of Christ where he took on a spiritual body, a body that could at the same time simply appear, whether up in Galilee or in the in the upper room, a body that could simply appear, but the disciples themselves, even when Jesus appeared, still doubted. It says in the Gospel of Matthew that even though they saw Jesus, some still doubted. And Jesus demonstrated that it was really him by actually eating food with them. And so the reality of what occurred on Easter Sunday morning was so powerful and real as that event unfolded. The lives of the disciples were dramatically and irreparably transformed. And I say irreparably because there was no going back. No going back to that former life. Things had been completely, utterly changed. Philip Yancey puts it this way. He says, those who believed were transformed, infused with hope and courage. They went out to change the world. The disciples were completely, utterly transformed, changed. And because they had experienced life with Jesus, they had acknowledged the reality of his suffering. They knew that he had all that he had been through with his crucifixion. And then they saw that he was alive. This reality so changed them, so transformed them, that they went out from that time and lived life in complete, utter faith and courage. And they went out and they did change the world. The disciples went forth, every single one of them, with one exception of the gods of the uh, the Apostle John, whom we believe was the writer of not just the Gospel of John but also of Revelation, John was the only one to die a peaceful death. The rest, one after another, died the death of martyrs. Matthew was killed by a sword. Mark was dragged by horses through, his, through the streets in Greece until he, until he died. Luke was hanged. John, the one who did die a peaceful death, was first boiled in oil, and somehow he managed to survive. This was while he was in Rome. He somehow managed to survive being boiled in oil, and then he died a peaceful death at the end of his life. Peter because he did not consider himself to be worthy to be crucified in the same upright position as Jesus was crucified upside down. James, who became, who was the brother of Jesus, who became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, was thrown a hundred feet off the, off the pinnacle of the temple. And he there was killed by the people who had captured him. 
James Zebedee, the brother of, of Peter, was beheaded. Bartholomew or Nathaniel was beaten to death, flogged to death. Andrew was likewise crucified. Jude was killed by arrows. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Thomas, the one who doubted, who came to Jesus in the upper room and demanded to see his hands and his side before he would believe, went from there to India. There he died a martyr's death by, by a spear. And Paul, the apostle, was likewise was likewise killed, perhaps beheaded. And he who was a Roman citizen was killed in Rome toward the end of his apostle, uh, the writing of, his, of the apostle, the apostle's works. So these men, if this thing were made up, if this were a, a nice story, these men would hardly die the deaths that they died for a concocted conspiracy. They died because it was real, because it was true, and because their lives were dramatically, powerfully transformed. It was interesting the other night after our Monday, Thursday service, we all sat together afterwards, and both Pastor Bill and I acknowledged that it was the story of the cross that had been made new to us through some good evangelistic preaching. In my case, it was through the ministry of young life. But as a kid, I'd gone to church for Monday, pardon me, for uh, Palm Sunday and then Easter Sunday. Palm Sunday was, of course, a celebration. Easter Sunday was a celebration. But in the middle of the week, it was Monday, Thursday. Good Friday. And we never went to church on those days, so I never heard the story of the suffering or of the cross. But when I heard the story of how much Jesus loved us, when I heard the transforming reality of what God had done for us, then I was transformed. And by the resurrection, I knew Jesus was alive. And I still remember up in Hormel Hall, at Forest Hall, up front they had the words of how great thou art. And the minister up front was telling stories that were funny and cool. But in the midst of it, he told the stories of Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. Something hit me. Something touched my heart. Something changed inside of me. And I knew. Somehow I knew. Not only was this real, wasn't something made up, wasn't a dream, wasn't just dumb religion. Somehow I knew Jesus was alive wanted a personal relationship with me and with you.
and with all of us so that we might live with him and that we might ourselves be transformed and with him change the world. Will you bow with me in prayer? Lord, it is your son who has made this happen. Your son has completed the work that you started when we violated your will in the garden. Your son who has made our lives new and has given us the hope that we will one day live with you. And so when we lose one, it's not goodbye, it's good night until the morning comes. And thank you, O Lord, that you have assured for us the morning for which we await. We pray in Jesus' name. Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message.